Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. Thank you. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We welcome you here on what feels like a very important, sad, difficult morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in everyone. In the spirit of that heritage, let us turn to the person to our right and left, welcoming them here this morning. Will you say with me the words in your bulletin by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith? Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning. The call to worship is by Hafiz, a 14th century Sufi poet. How did the rose ever open its heart and give to this world all its beauty? It felt the encouragement of light against its being. Otherwise, we all remain too frightened. In this room on every Sunday morning, we have people from every major world religion. At least that's where their practices might be from, where their roots are in there. We also have people who are secular humanists, staunch atheists, neo-pagans, redneck Hindus. Zen Presbyterians. <laughs> We're Unitarian Universalists. And we have a mission in the world. And this congregation articulated its mission, wrote it on the wall. We say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives and do justice. Now is the time in our service where we breathe together deeply, where we prepare to enter into the silence. It is in this still place inside that sometimes we can find and other times we can't where we receive clarity and wisdom, where we talk to God as we understand God, or where we listen to our inner wisdom, or where we just follow our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, the noises of small children and the noises of life count as part of the silence. So, there was a big election, and it was an upset, and upset is how most of us feel. 
many of us. Not all, and those of you who don't are welcome here too. Many of us feel sad, sick, shaken, unsafe, fearful, angry. Many of us are blaming people who didn't vote, regretting not working harder, regretting believing the pundits and the polls. Many of us have broken up with the news. Some of us have even broken up with social media. We're cynical about everybody's explanations of blah, blah, why this happened, blah, blah. You didn't know anything before the election and you don't know anything now. Upset. And here comes holiday time. (laughs) Family time. Some stay with chosen family on these days, and on Thanksgiving Day, we're having a big dinner here, potluck, 2.30, come on. But others go to the family that they were born into or adopted into. For most of us, these are people who will say they love us. For some of us, there are people who say they love us, but they voted for someone whose policies and promises threaten us and our beloveds. Do we just beg off this season? Do we say, I've got too much going on, I can't come? That's a pretty good way to handle it. <laughs> Not going to lie. Or do we say out loud that we have not yet figured out a way to share a table and eat food with people who have actively participated in bringing about a situation in which we are suddenly endangered and vulnerable and those we love are, and we can't figure out how to keep everybody safe anymore? Um, We didn't know how to keep everybody safe before, and now it's worse. And... Do we ask them, did they just want to change so badly that they were willing to shrug off our fears as unfounded? Would they shrug off stories of bullying's escalation, of hate crimes increasing? Would they shake their heads and say, oh, not all Trump supporters? They would never beat up someone. If they saw a person of color thrown to the ground by a white man, would they interfere? What if it was a cop? Would they start filming or would they just go? If they went into their kid's school and saw a kid with brown skin crying because someone had just told her to go back to Mexico or because her best uncle had just got deported, would they shrug and say, well, you don't have a country if you don't have borders? They have already shrugged off a cascade of racist statements and stances and policies. The discovery of a confession of sexual assault, and yes, grabbing a woman by her private places is assault. 
They've shrugged off or explained away mysterious finances, possible ties to an enemy power. They've made it clear that we queer folks, brown and black folks, women and children don't deserve protection as much as they deserve what? For some supporters, it was survival. That's what we read. They were worried about jobs and survival, and they're feeling forgotten. And you know why? Because they were forgotten and ignored and passed over and dismissed. People need jobs. And in most rural parts of our country, there is only one cable news channel that the cable company carries. They only carry CNN and Fox, or just Fox. So a lot of people are not hearing the wide variety of stuff we hear, because we don't only listen to MSNBC, we also listen to Fox, don't we? (laughs) They want to feel safer, and they made a choice to dismiss and shrug away the dangers staring the rest of us in the face. And that's hard to understand, and it's hard to forgive. Also, I could be wrong. I don't know what they are thinking. They may not want to feel safer. They may also not want to change their picture of what an American looks like. And they might just all simply be 100% racist to the bone. But I don't think so. I think they are, because almost all of us are, but... I think they have dismissed and shrugged that off like I tend to turn my head because I love our president. I tend to turn my head when I hear about a drone blowing up a wedding in Afghanistan by accident or hitting a hospital by accident. I go, well, they're doing their best. I think some of them just want somebody in charge, like a big daddy, who says, don't worry your little head about it, I'll take care of it. There's something appealing about somebody who knows what to do. They're not going to share it with you, but they know what to do. And don't worry about, just trust them, really, because they will act perfectly responsibly. Some white folks are claiming to be shocked and surprised, shocked, at this glimpse of America that they've just seen. They had no idea it was this bad. I'm sorry, I don't mean to mock, but those among us who are people of color or queer people had never been lulled into a security of thinking that America was post-racial or lovely, multicultural, high-value, loving culture. The unawareness is part of a sleepy and careless privilege of not seeing what doesn't directly impact you. And now they say, oh, come on, it's not that bad. And it won't be bad for a lot of us. 
Uh, if we have white skin and if we have some money, we have jobs, it's not going to be that bad for us. If we have skin that's black or brown, if we have a differently abled body, if we're queer or trans, it's going to be pretty bad. And even forget about it if we're undocumented. It's not that bad when coarse men joke about grabbing your private places. Come on, it's just a joke. What we've learned is that people who say they love us are willing to shrug, to excuse, to blame it on God or their preacher, to minimize our fear and wave away our concerns. And the Mike Pence head shake with downcast eyes and a little smile and a chuckle <laughs> is going to become the gesture of art in every conversation. So... What do we do when things get really, really difficult? And when we know if we try to be authentic with our families, it's going to be awkward, and awkward is the best word for it. We, when things get bad, we go back to basics, and our basics are our Unitarian Universalist principles, and the third principle, which I was scheduled to talk about today anyway, turns out to be kind of perfect, I think. It says, we affirm and promote, we covenant together, that we will work on acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth within our congregations. And you all know that I like to add in our homes to those principles as well. So here we go. I'm just telling you the stuff I've been thinking. I do not have the answers. I told some of you I was going to have the answer by this morning. It was a joke because that was last night. I have no idea what we should do and what's coming. No idea and neither does anybody. So I'm talking to myself here. This is the best I can do. We go back to basics. So acceptance of one another means acceptance of the people who have different ideas from ours. Acceptance of the people does not mean acceptance of their ideas, because some ideas are dangerous and lead to injustice. And yet we accept the people. Acceptance of people does not mean saying everything you do is okay. It just means I accept that you are you. And I trust you to be you. This may mean I need to protect myself and those I love from you. This may mean I need to keep my distance for a while till I'm stronger. I may need to limit what I talk to you about, but I accept that you are who you are. And that's being a Unitarian Universalist. That is my faith. Now, this encouragement to spiritual growth part... Well, spiritual growth is where you become clear about your values and you live those values so your spirit's water runs clean. It doesn't kill anybody downstream. You live your values. 
This, my dear ones, is about to become more difficult. Do we encourage spiritual growth by arguing with people? Who has seen that work well? I know it's surely worked at some point in history, but I would say it is not the most effective way to encourage spiritual growth. In the happiest poem that Mary Jane read this morning, it says, the rose opens with the encouragement of light. Hmm. How do we be the encouragement of light? How do we do that? I imagine that people grow spiritually when we feel a dissonance between our values and our actions. And when we can deal with that dissonance in an atmosphere of curiosity and respect. Not safety necessarily, because challenge doesn't feel safe, change doesn't feel safe, and not comfort. We're not going to be in an atmosphere of comfort. We sang comfort me this morning because we need it, and yet... We can't be comforted and go, okay, everything's all right. No, we can be comforted and be together, and that strengthens us to be a moral force in the world, like you heard our new members pledge to be. It's not comfortable to be a moral force in the world. People don't always go, oh, thank you so much for being a moral force in the world. Change is hard, and it can happen in an atmosphere of curiosity and respect. Curiosity and respect. Okay. Here are some uh, steps, because I'm a person who likes the 10-step, 12-step, 15-step. I like steps. I'm a firstborn Virgo. I like steps. Okay. The compassionate, I mean, the crucial conversations people say... Figure out, in a conversation with your family at Thanksgiving, figure out what you want for you, what you want for them, and what you want for the relationship. Be clear about those three things before you open your mouth. Listen deeply. This is the advice from the FBI hostage negotiator manual. Listen deeply. Listen with focus, suffused with curiosity, until you can almost see how they got there. How did you get there? I can almost see, I can almost feel it. Three, give your own internal weather report. I feel, nobody can argue with you about your own internal weather report. I feel sick. I feel sad. I feel like a storm is coming. I feel afraid for my people who are black, for my people who are brown, for my people who are undocumented, for my people who are queer or differently abled. I feel afraid for us. I'm sick and sad, and I'm watchful for signs of autocracy. This is what I am like inside. I love this country, right or wrong, and that means sometimes it's wrong. And I believe it's wrong now. And I love you, even though I'm hurt by your actions right now. (sighs) Don't despair. 
This may sound harsh, but that is a privileged response. Folks in marginalized communities and populations have been struggling forever. There's life and joy in the midst of struggle. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you did something wrong. Not everything can be fixed. Life is struggle, and we cannot afford to give up. We cannot afford to give up. Resist at every turn. The time to be nice is over, and the time to be good is now. And there's a difference between being nice and being good. You hear me? Thank you. We don't argue and shame individuals. We don't argue with and shame our individuals. But we do argue with public policies, actions of the government, contempt for the press or the judiciary. We stand up. We lobby. We make noise. We write letters. Those of us who are disruptors go disrupt. And those of us who want the power of respectability use that power of respectability for good. Spend it. One thing that people are doing, as you all know from Facebook, to indicate that they are protectors, safe spaces, is to wear a safety pin on their clothing. This comes from uh, Great Britain after the Brexit vote. People began wearing safety pins because hate crimes skyrocketed. Harassment of black and brown people and Muslim people skyrocketed. If you care to be a safe space, you wear a safety pin, but, but, Here's what it means when you put it on. It means you're willing to get next to a brown or black or Muslim person at a bus stop if you see them being harassed. If it looks like they might want you to, some people don't want you to. It means you understand if you are a white person that calling the police is not really increasing the safety of many people in our culture. It means that you have looked online to see how to de-escalate a potentially violent situation. One little comic strip of instruction on how one way to do it is up on the church's Facebook page. And if you're not on Facebook, for God's sake, please consider being on Facebook. It's like those people in the 20s who go, I'm not on the telephone. I'm not just not like the telephone. (laughs) I'm sorry. But we don't want to make things worse for people, and we don't want to get hurt. Wearing a safety pin means you'll take the time to figure out what to do if someone calls on you as a safe space. What do you do? You just don't go, oh, my goodness, so I am wearing this. Uh, I'm sorry, I really have to get to a meeting. I can't can't right now. I just can't. If you have to get to a meeting, take the pin off. If you got your kids with you and you don't want them in any danger, take the pin off. It's okay. You don't have to wear it all the time. But when you're feeling strong enough, when you feel willing, when you feel like you're ready to take a step, you can put the pin on. And it doesn't mean I am a perfectly trained ally. It means I am wanting to take the steps to be a better ally. I am undertaking training if I can find some, which is easy to find, y'all. Or I'm looking online how to be a better ally. It means I have searched my soul to make sure that I really am a safe space. Because, you know, sometimes you might be and sometimes you might not be. It's okay to take it off. 
It's okay to get one today. We have them in the gallery, big boxes of safety pins. You're welcome to get one. You don't have to put it on. We don't wear it because all the cool kids are doing it. We wear it because this means I am willing to take a step to be a better ally, and I am actively working on becoming a safer space. And we don't wear them just to bug our families. We don't wear them to the family wedding or the family Thanksgiving just so Uncle Jack will say, hey, what's that? And you go, it's a safety pin, which means I'm going to stand up against you every time you do one of those racist comments you're always doing. No, no. (laughs) Although when he does a racist comment, safety pin or not, you have several options about how to respond. You could just be sweet, keep it sweet on the surface, Take the damn pin off if you're going to do that. If you want to, sometimes a good, long stare, silence, is a good response. You haven't said anything hurtful. Let's see you put on the Dowager Countess face. We're going to practice right now. And just, if somebody says something like, oh, I'm just going to grab her whatever, or, oh my goodness, whatever, racist, racist comment, we've all heard them. We're going to practice right now. Dowager Countess face, long stare. (laughs) A full minute, y'all. That communicates volumes without you having to try to figure out what to say. Because sometimes there's nothing to say that doesn't have cuss words in it. (laughs) Lastly, I would say encourage, encourage spiritual growth by asking questions. Asking questions. How did you come to this? What do you like about that policy? Does anything bother you about it? Curiosity and respect. I can't get there yet. So, when you can, how did you come to this view? What is your favorite thing about it? I wrote a whole sermon about asking questions that you can find on our podcast. One thing I would encourage you to do more than that, though, is watch Van Jones. Y'all know who Van Jones is, his commentator on CNN. He wrote, uh, he did videos called The Messy Truth, where he gets in a mixed race, mixed political group. And y'all, he asks questions with the most kindness and respect and engages, engages a young Trump supporter with a Trump hat on in the most loving yet persistent way. Not rat-a-tatting facts at each other. He bypasses that completely. And he says, in fact, I want to talk to the real you that's in there. I want to talk to the real you. What do you vision? What's, what's your vision of a fair America? If we can do that, when we can get to where we can do that, then we can engage and find shared values. Find shared values with people with whom we disagree. That's something to build on. That's called building on our strengths. You cannot do it and be squeamish at the same time. We cannot be separatists for very long. 
If you don't have the spiritual strength to get in there and find common ground with people, that's how it is. But if you do, you can build on people's strengths, on their values, build on what you've got between you. There are loud and scary people in this country with varying points of view, but some of the loudest and scariest on the way far fringe of the right, we thought, are now occupying the White House. And if we can find regular people in our families with whom we share some values, then we strengthen them and ourselves for times of trouble. Most of them don't want to see hate crimes, and they don't want to see children bullied in school, and they probably don't want us to get beaten up or put in jail. But we, most of us, are feeling traumatized right now. And that's okay. And we are feeling wounded. And Emma Goldman says, don't mourn, organize. And that takes toughness. And some days we have it and some days we don't. We're watching. Because we're going to need allies. Things will go badly for the asylum seekers first. And those are our people. And then they will go badly for the undocumented men and women and boys and girls. And then people of color, poor people, women, gay women, gay men. And then men who just disagree with those in power. And I hope none of that happens. But we're watching because we can't wait until we ourselves are in trouble. If we are privileged at the top of the pile. We're watching for how the press is being treated, and it's not starting off well. We're watching for how the judiciary is being treated. That hasn't been good for a while. This is not up to anyone else, my people. We must train ourselves to be the safe ones. We must train ourselves in the encouragement of light. If you wear a safety pin, wear it seriously. May we be competent allies, and may we protect those of us who are in danger. Will you say with me the words by which we extinguish the chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment, these we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Remember the way of the wind and breathe and blow. Remember the way of the fire and sparkle and glitter and glow. Remember the way of the water and ebb and flow. Remember the way of the earth and grow. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www. AustinUU.org.
www.ghostbusters.org.